Hi, and welcome to Zed Games. Recorded live at 4 Triple Z Studios in Brisbane. And broadcast nationally across the Community Radio Network. Zed Games brings you the best in gaming news, reviews, community, and culture from across Australia to around the world. Coming at you live from 4 Triple Z Studios in Brisbane. You might be hanging out with us on 102.1 FM on Zed Digital, on iTunes or Spotify, or around the country on the Community Radio Network. This is Zed Games. Oh my god. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and where this is an episode that is not is a traditional episode. episode. I'm getting that. Okay, dude. I'm getting <laughs> So the idea is that typically Ray will like not make new content over the holiday season. And I was like, that's an idea. But also Millie was really, really keen to talk a little bit of trash about Skyward Sword. Oh, yeah. Recycling the content. You know, it's a two-year-old... It's an I'm, old game. It's more than two I'm years old. I'm recycling the content like they recycled levels in that game, all right? Um, also, by the way, my name's Jack, and this is Millie. Hi, I'm Adrian. And this is Adrian. Hi, I'm Adrian. You're listening to Zed Games. <laughs> Beautiful. Hi, I'm Millie. Also, later on in the show, I'm going to be chatting with some people behind the Australian Speedrun Marathon. That was a feature that I did back in July, but... You get it this week as well. So you two you have actually played Sorry. Skyward Sword. You haven't? I haven't. Good. <laughs> okay. See, I'm a little bit more of a fan of Skyward Sword than you are, Millie. Yeah, well, no, the, the thing is, is that at the time I really enjoyed it because it was a massive Zelda drought. There um, was. Because there was, I missed the GameCube days. So unfortunately I missed Wind Waker, which I've since been educated on. There good, wasn't a drought. Good. There was no it was drought good. It was a good game. It was a good game. God, I love Wind no, Waker. Yeah, it was very good, but just, you know. Twilight Princess was kind of a mess. Don't talk Twilight to me about Twilight Princess. <laughs> because you're better or because you'll defend it? I love Twilight Princess. Oh, weird. Yeah. That Twilight for, Prin- for reasons. For reasons. That involve being lazy, which I love, Yeah, by the way. Yeah, being lazy is great. Um, the fact that you can just sit back in the couch and just waggle that, yeah, you know? <laughs> Adrian, get off the radio. <laughs> You're inappropriate. Um, the thing is, is that I really enjoyed Skyward Sword for what it was at the time, but replaying it, I'd say it doesn't have much replay value. And even when you're playing it the first time and you get to the second time when you're in the middle of, like, reinforcing your sword with the Sacred Flames and you realise that there's no more lands to go to other than the three that you opened that you sort of realise that they just copy-pasted everything and assets and just listen. <laughs> it's not good. Like, it's lazy. And they can do so much better, clearly evidenced by Breath of the Wild. And mm. I know that Breath of the Wild took a while to make. It was... That's my mic. I got my mic. I got my mic. Don't worry about it. Um, Breath of the Wild was it... Because we saw the first trailer in 2014. Yeah. And Skyward Sword came out in 2013. Really? Yeah, I think so. Jesus. Because it was still on the Wii, not the Wii Yeah, U. it was on the original Wii, yeah. But the Zelda Breath of the Wild team has, has spoke about how they were very aware of that divisive feedback that Breath mm. of the, uh, that Skyward Sword had, mm. where, yeah, the content was not as open as it should have been, mm. and it was rehashed in areas too. Yeah, so that's why they went to the other extreme of making giant open-world Zelda, which I so think good. was... Yeah, <laughs> Breath of the Wild's another day. Yeah. Which I think <laughs> was like the best way that they could be like, hey, win our trust back for the Zelda team. Because they tried so hard with Skyward Sword to be like, it's the 25th anniversary of Zelda. This is the start of the Zelda timeline. And so everyone's like, what? <laughs> and it's the one game that everyone was waiting for to really make yeah, the case really... for an action RPG on the Wii with motion controls as well. <sighs> yeah, and they 
really messed that up too. What do you think about that? What do you think about the motion controls in that game? How does it feel to play? <laughs> well, listen, the thing is that when I first played it, the motion controls didn't bug me too much. But when you're sitting there and you're fighting a Bokoblin, the red thing's wearing loincloths for some reason, which they really like to bring up in the game when when you use fire to like identify them. They bring up loincloth and underpants constantly. I don't understand why. Anyway, so you're fighting against these Bokoblins and it's motion control, so you have to control your sword to the way that they're blocking, but they predict your movement so quickly. Mm. That's the thing, is that every way that you swing, they're blocking you. So you spend half an hour just swinging, trying to get these Bokoblins, and they're meant to be the easiest enemy in the game. Mm. <laughs> and they just, they can kill you so quickly because they're meant to mimic your movement so you learn the motion controls. But then you're just standing there waving your sword around like an idiot because they can predict your movement. Yeah, and you're just like, man, I need, I need some not... deodorant. Like, I'm just like, I'm just too active. Like, yeah, it's, like, it's, you're, like you'll break your flat screen. You're swinging your Wii Motion Plus so bad. Don't oh, we, 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 we sports uh, style. We sports style. Yeah, like, but, with, uh, with the bowling, you just... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but listen, it's not even... Uh, it's It just irritates me because there's so many ways that it could have been implemented because Twilight Princess, and as much as it's can be divisive, that game, for being like, you know, Ocarina of Time 2.0... At least they put in the motion controls in a way that felt sort of natural. Like, yeah, you just went, you just waggled the Wii remote whatever way you wanted it to. But if you wiggled it a certain way, he'd go up, and then you wiggled it another way, he'd go left. That sort of thing. So you wiggled it left, he'd go left. Wiggled it right, he'd go right. And it felt but pretty it, good to, like, run for, through grass in that yeah, game. Yeah, run and, like, through grass, and you grass. can just, like, swing your sword yeah. like you would, being Link with a sword. Just You're just grass. some farm kid running around with a sword. It's fun. But in Skyward Sword, you're suddenly given this sword, and... Link's arm is tied to the Wii remote. So every time you move with the sword out, Link's arm is moving. Yeah. So the amount of times that you're just trying to hit some grass and Link's arm is like up here for some reason because the Wii Motion Plus collaboration has gone out of collaboration. Yep. Or like when you're relaxing, you, you're relaxing in the couch and like you realise that Link's arm is just like off to the side also relaxing yeah. oddly and it's like, yeah. Link, what are you doing, dude? Yeah, he's like... And the thing this is, is too realistic. I think the best part of the game with the motion controls is that you can run... For once, you can run around with your sword in the air above your head going... Yeah. <laughs> like, that's the only time. That's the only good reason because you can run with the sword in the air like, like waving your arms around like a lunatic. <sighs> but everything else to do with that motion control is just... Horrendous. And trying to control the eyes in the first forest dungeon. There's no spoiler, this game is so old. In, in the first, like, forest dungeon, you have to control some eyes. And I think in later, there's more eyes that you need to control because Nintendo loves eyes for some reason. And you use the sword to control the eyes. But the amount of times you're, like, swinging in a circle, trying to move these eyeballs, and then all of a sudden Link's hand will just get stuck off to the left. The motion just, trying like, Trying to move your arm in a circle while Link's arm is just, like wobbling like a jellyfish because the motion controls don't work. We motion plus more like we motion minus, you know? Sorry. Exactly. But like so don't be sorry. What what is the most exaggerated move you had to make in this game? Or something that kind of I guess, you know, the fact that you can't relax and waggle like you could in Twilight Princess mm. means that you are getting worked up and the game is less playable over oh, long time. periods of time, which is what you want to be able to do in a game like Zelda. You want to be able to just chill out and play. You want to explore, yes. So like there was this hilarious <laughs> video that I saw where, you know, this is front flip move you can do in the game where No one you, knows about it either. You if you if you do both the Wii Remote and the Nunchuck down at the same time, Link does like this actual somersault front I don't know what the technical term is. He front flips with his sword, you know? And I saw this video of this guy, like, overcommitting to the move, where I'm sure Nintendo would not endorse this at all. He literally front flips in his bedroom 
with the Wii Remote and Nunchuck in his hand to mimic the move in the game because, you know, it's, it's got to be real. It's got to be realistic. And it's like with a game like Skyward Sword, it's like they mimicked everything that you were doing, but even then had moves where you couldn't like actually replicate them in real life unless you were a guy on YouTube trying to be an exhibitionist. You know, whatever. Do your thing. I feel like the fact that they already made concessions but then still required you to have full like arm motion in the game means that there's kind of like a lack of clear vision as to what they were trying to do. It's like almost to make it as realistic as possible, yeah. but but not. Yeah, but, and that's another thing that brings up the fact of almost realistic but not, is that they tried to make it this game where you, you play as Link, you are Link, you're embracing who this person is, and uh, it just doesn't work, mm. mate. Because at some points your wrist goes like this, Link's wrist is bent at like a right angle because you're trying to <laughs> bend it in this sort of way. And don't get me started on the motion controls of those keys to unlock the dungeon doors mm-hmm. because you have to twist the Wii Remote again, <laughs> mm-hmm. upside down, right to left, in and out, up and down, round your legs. I don't know. It's, <laughs> oh, my God. Spaghetti sword, spaghetti you know, just sword. like your arm is a spaghetti. <laughs> <laughs> that noise. <laughs> But let me get back to the realism part, because Twilight Princess, a lot of people said it was too realistic, like it was weird because like Link was hyper-realistic. I disagree because Link was really cute. He was um, beautiful. But in this one, for some reason, they've made it like this pastel half shade of like Wind Waker, half Twilight Princess, and everything looks beige. Can we talk about those pants? Those baggy pants? Oh. What's he putting in there? His baggy hold on, hold pantaloons. Hold on, hold on. Sorry, I checked back in then. <laughs> yeah, hi Jack, how you doing? G'day. Welcome so- back. Wind Waker looked phenomenal. Yes. Looked great on the GameCube. Looked hot, hot, hot on Wii U. I completely agree. Twilight Princess looked like hot trash on Wii. It was okay. Can you deny that? Doesn't hold up as well. It doesn't hold up. I will give you that. On Wii U, it it got a bit of a facelift, but it still looked drab. It still looked better than other drab games. Like, the art design still carried it more than, like, say, like a Lord of the Rings game would hold up, you know? Because that's (laughs) the kind of style they were trying to replicate. That's a very low bar. (laughs) I don't know. Return of the King was pretty good. (laughs) But, like, I I was of the mind that Skyward Sword looked... No. No? Beige. (laughs) The thing is, is that they tried to do this watercolour thing, but it doesn't work with Zelda. It does muddy... It's the, muddy. Like, yeah, okay, muddy. It's colourful, yes. It's 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 beautiful at first glance, yes. But the more you look at the back of Link's head, the more you realise how beige he is, how yeah. bland his colours are. They're plain. I feel like There's it doesn't, no detail it doesn't work in 480p. I think HD, maybe? And Zelda's hair. Don't get me started on that bright yellow highlighter hair. <laughs> like, listen. That crayon come hair. On. <laughs> anyway. Jesus it's Christ. Game. It's not all bad, though. <laughs> you know? No, it's all bad. Ancient System is one of the most put-together dungeons in that game, as well as the Sand Sea. That's it. <laughs> what was the... Like, so Ancient System was calming. Yeah, and I think the whole theming was really well done because I would say that they put the most effort into that because it was one of the dungeons where the key was different too. Mm. And they knew it was another water temple, so they're like, we've got to make people just like, like this water temple this yeah, time. Yeah, because you know? it gave you like a weapon that was actually fun to use with the motion controls, which was the whip. And... When you defeat that boss, yes. you get to pick up its like giant machete yeah. thing or whatever it is. It's the massive. Scimitars. The scimitar. Scimit- thank you. The scimitar. Yes. Scim- scimitar. I think uh, it's so good. What is it called? It's like automaton or something like that. I don't remember. Golden automaton. But like the weight behind that thing, mm. man. When you like just, yeah. just chopping off those so, robotty metal arms or whatever. Yeah. So at the, it's got one of the most creative bosses too because you actually use the weapon you got in the temple to pull off the arms yeah. of this massive. I think it's sort of pseudo-religious figure. Because <laughs> there's mm. a giant Buddha in the middle of the temple, but they 
just sort of make it like it's a pseudo-religious Nintendo's gold. being careful since the Fire Temple in Ocarina of Time. Ooh, don't get me started on yeah. that. Um, so they, you rip the arms off and it drops these giant scimitars, which Link can then pick up and you swing and break the arms off. Mm. And then you can wail on the giant eye, which is every Nintendo game ever. But the way that they did that was just so well done that it made you forget you were playing Skyward Sword for a little bit. Mm. Because you didn't have to worry about motion controls or Girahim grabbing your sword and throwing it away or the imprisoned. Yeah. You just you just whip it and wail it. Yeah, basically. Adrian. Girahim was okay. Girahim was an excellent villain, but it was so cheap them putting him in for two boss fights in temples. Mm. Like, it's like, try harder. Come on. I did appreciate that he kind of followed your every move and that he was kind of hard to defeat based on the motion tracking. That was unique. Yeah, I agree. But again, with the motion controls, he's one of those enemies that follows your sword. Mm. So no matter which way, you have to really learn how to defeat him, but eventually it just gets tiresome. You're exactly. Like, Why? Your arm is just like... Because he keeps like, grabbing your sword, so it, and you just get lucky. Speaking of tiresome things, what about those items? <sighs> okay. So I read a good thing today, and I noticed... I didn't notice at the time, but I noticed now, is that every item in that game... It, mm, Minus the whip, I guess, is an item which is used to hit another thing. Mm. Bow and arrow, slingshot, beetle. Well, the windblower, but no, no, the whip used to hit other things. Mm. The windblower, I guess, but you use it to like activate switches and stuff. Like every item is sort of just like go get that thing. The th- the thing. Skyward go, thing. Skyward thing. Yep. Hit the crystal. Hit the eye mm. with whatever thing you've got. I don't care. I'm a game. It's like. <laughs> It doesn't work like that, though. Hit thing, feel good. Hit thing, feel good. And it suffers from the Zelda problem of you get an item in a dungeon, you use that item, and it's like, well, now, okay. Like the spinner in Twilight Princess. That could have had so much potential. Oh, my God, why did it? Thank God they alleviated that in Link Between Worlds and Breath of the Wild. But Skyward Sword was a time before they realized they needed to refresh things. Yes. But that's the thing, that Like, every item was just, like, is useless afterwards. And you get all these awesome upgrades. Kind of awesome, I guess. But, like, you get, like, this, like, really cool bow and really cool slingshot, and you just never use them again. What about the miscellaneous items that you pick up? And the fact that you have to sit through text boxes every single time? All right. Give us some hot facts. I've got a fact for you, Adrian. So... Every time you pick up, like, an ingredient, I guess they're called. So, say the Amber Relic, which is the most prevalent item in the game, and everyone hates them by the end of the game because you have 124 of them. So you're picking them up, like, all the time. You're picking them up all the time. Every time you shut down the game and reboot to play again, each text box comes up again. They forget that you've already you had the item before. forget that you've already picked it up, even though it's in your inventory and you've discovered it. It's like they left that bug in for some reason. I'm so infuriating. And every text box takes 8.5 seconds of your game time. Which equates to, if you play the game religiously, 31.59 minutes. Which doesn't sound like much, but it really breaks up the motion, like the momentum. Yeah. In a game that's all about motion, it kind of stops the motion. It really <laughs> like, does. We it- motion minus. Thank you. Basically. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for that's that's validating my, uh, yeah, I mentioned the that's my two cents earlier in the show. <laughs> Thanks, Jack. Um, but that's Bye, Jack. the thing, though, is that like, you can be running around cutting grass and trying to have a good time with this mess of a game, and all of a sudden Amber Relic pops out of the grass and da 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 and you just stop. It's got to read about and it. And Link just like swings 380 to 360 to like the screen and goes, <gasps> even though he's seen this thing before. And literally, I don't know why they didn't just take that out. Legit. I'm so mad. <laughs> two years later. Two so years later. after you, you played it 
Yeah, I played yeah. it two years ago, and then I sold my Wii U because it was collecting dust. Sorry, Nintendo. You're listening to Zed Games with Jack, myself, Millie, and Adrian. Hello. We're in the studio, and we're uh, we're talking a lot about Skyward Sword. Well, I am because Jack decided to be antisocial. No, it's because I know that both of you have played no, it. And I'm, no, I'm not going to deny or confirm anything. Jack's just here to press buttons and do things. Both He's of bringing you, the music to us. Both of you have things. played a lot of Skyward Sword and I've played none. So that's why I'm leaving you to kind of discuss because you both know what you're talking about. That's fair. I understand. The one point I was like, I thought it was pretty. No, you were like, beige. And I'm like, all right. Sick. Please Me Please complete your, your three-part essay on why Skyward Sword is I'm sorry, Skyward everyone. <laughs> It's good. I mean, it's working. Anyway, so let me get back to the repetition. The repetition is what I have a real beef with with this game, is that the first imprisoned fight, you face Demise as the imprisoned form, which looks like a giant teddy bear, which isn't that scary until it's opened its mouth and you can see its giant um, <clears throat> sphincter for a throat. It's terrifying. It is quite terrifying. It's gross. Anyway, so you fight, you, you kill its wobbly toes, you shove it back in the ground with a giant spike to the head, and you're like, oh, damn, like, there's actually like a threat. That wasn't very fun, mm. so I understand. And then you defeat a temple, you go back, you talk to the old lady with the pointy hat, and you fight the imprisoned again. But this time yep. it's got arms. Yep. More wobbly toes. And then you defeat another temple. And then you fight the imprisoned again. In the but same this time, spot, right? In the same spot, yeah. but this time it flies, and for some reason, Groose is there. Yeah, they try. <sighs> yeah, that's the moment that Groose kind of turns into like the everyone's favorite fan theory for it's going to be Ganondorf, and it wasn't. He wasn't Ganondorf. I wish it was. Honestly, Groose was a terrible. He's got beautiful character. hair though. He's terrifying to look at though. Those a little eyes. bit. Just a little bit. Anyway, but like the imprisoned. Hey, I'm Groose. The imprisoned can literally eat dirty socks. I do not like that boss battle, and for some reason they thought it was a good idea to make you fight it three times, and it is so irritating. I wouldn't say it's difficult once you get used to it. It's just irritating. You're like, why? Why don't we just... Why don't we just make the most irritating fight of the game drag on for three minutes? On the flip side, why don't we just what? What chill out, thing? sit down on a nice boat in the desert, the cool... Sea breeze blowing on our faces mm. and talk about the Linnaeus Sand Sea. Okay, all right. Because that was beautiful. Okay, I'm calm now. I'm calm. That was, I'm glad. That was the most beautiful part of that game to me. When you've got this time stone, which causes everything in a specific radius around you to, to go to the past. Go to the past. So you're in this Link desert. To the past. <laughs> and it's <laughs> nice. You're in this desert. It's, it's basically as arid as, as arid can be. And then you've got this time stone on a boat. With a little robot dude named Skipper. And he's adorable. He's so sweet. And you take old mate Skipper and, and your little tinny out to Lanayru <laughs> sand sea. And but it be- turns into a literal <laughs> sea. Because of the time stone, it literally transforms it back into an ocean. When they Just yeah. around your boat. So, here's, here's a really good mechanic that I actually liked about Skyward Sword was the time stones. Is that when you first drop down to the Lanayru region, I can never pronounce that word, is that you're introduced to time stones and how they switch back time before it was a desert and it, it they did so well because they just crafted this beautiful universe with these little tiny robots mm. that go beep boop at you and you get the weird blowy thing mm. but the technology and everything is just really interesting and then they just sort of ruin it with like a bland dungeon and stuff like that but then you get the sand sea and that's really where they've embraced this whole time switch area it becomes because then you get the pirate ship yeah and that was phenomenal because you actually use the <clears throat> time shift stone as a mechanic yeah to switch between and 
back and forward so you can like make fans move, make fans not move. It's actually really well done. And it also and... serves this beautiful aesthetic purpose too, oh, where you're yeah. just like chilling out, looking at this beautiful landscape that's being revealed to you yeah. back in time as you're moving with it. Yeah, and you've got a cannon and it's just like... So you can destroy it. You can destroy it. Yeah, you can. It's you can beautiful, sh- and then you destroy yeah, it. Yeah, but the good thing is that you can shoot bokoblins, which have been annoying you this whole game with their stupid motion cloths. controls and their loincloths. It's just—they mm, just yeah. did so well with it, and that's the other dungeon that I really enjoy is the pirate ship, because again, the boss is original. It's a jou- isn't it like a jousting fight, or it's like a well, the mini um, boss. It's it's like a, it's like a pirate. I think it's yeah. called like Robo. Scourge or something like that. It's a really good play on words about um, robots and nice. pirates. So the mini boss is really good, but I'd say that the actual boss, the lead up to it is really great because it's destroying the boat. So the tentacles mm. keep shoving up through the boat and that was sus. Um, <clears throat> so you run, sus. you run out and then there's a tentacle monster and very Japan. So then you just like shoot it in the eye, you know, Zelda rules. Very Nintendo. Very Nintendo. It's a bit lame, but ultimately the lead up to it and the whole dungeon beforehand is what really sort of gets you back into Skyward Sword and you forget you're playing Skyward Sword because yeah. again there's no not much movement movement <sighs> motion controls again that's too the, much motion too, there's, there's enough in that bit there's none oh, that bit. none in the pirate ship mm. almost no motion controls other than like hitting some stuff it doesn't find the right balance between too much and too little motion controls well I'd say again that the, the two dungeons that I enjoyed the most Agent Sister and the pirate ship were sort of not a lot of motion controls. Mm. Yeah, you use the whip and the bow and arrow, but again, you can sort of like get around the motion controls by just using the um, buttons and the nunchuck stick. And the whip is just a, as simple as like, like a, a flick motion, right? Yeah. yeah. There's no movement at all. So that's what I mean. Like the best dungeon in the game used almost no motion controls, mm. which is, you know, sad when the game is about motion controls. And how about those tadpoles? Those musical tadpoles? <laughs> Perhaps one of the most... Uh, just hated parts of Skyward Sword. Just breathe, dude. Tad just Tones, breathe. I think, was it? Tad Tones. Tad Tones, that's right. Because they were musical tones. this is the third time you've gone to uh, the Farron region, and the water dragon, who is such a turd of a dragon, has decided to flood the place because she didn't like it anymore. So they can then reuse that place as so a level. So they can reuse it, yeah. but this time you just have to swim. With and motion controls. With motion controls. So your, the Wii Remote is his body, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and it's, you all, have it's to all flooding like, back to me You've got to like now. direct it with your arm and he runs into things oh. and then you run out of air and then there's these giant shark things which you have to spin into because otherwise they'll eat you. Yeah. And... Look, I think what I'm going to say is... No, Jack. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, like, a lot of what I've been overhearing... Over here on this side of the studio. Hi, Jack. How are you doing? I'm doing great, man. How are you? so good to hear, Jack. <laughs> is that there's a lot to bash on, but there were some good points. Oh, yeah. Like, I don't disagree that there was actually points in the game which I actually really enjoyed. I'm just saying that those two points <laughs> do not overweigh, like... Uh, just a terrible game. Especially when you're holding it up to other Zelda games, which, you know, is a series with extremely high pedigree. But this was this obviously predated Breath of the Wild, so it, it did not hit the peak of Breath. Like, what was the peak at Skyward Sword point in time? I would say Twilight Princess or Wind Waker. Yeah. But Sk- Skyward Sword was the peak when they realized we need to change up the formula of Zelda. Yes, because and that's I think that shows a lot. Because everyone sort of realized they were like, this is just Ocarina of Time with extra steps, and the extra steps suck. Like, like, great, you put a bird in and we fly around a beige sky. You're hanging out on Zed Games with Jack, Millie, and Adrian in studio, but Millie and Adrian are going to hang out for a little bit because we're going to go down memory lane with the segment from the Australian Speedrun Marathon that was produced earlier in July.
because I didn't think of anything else to put in this episode. Enjoy. So I flew down to Adelaide for Avcon, the anime and video game convention based here, but I also came down for another event, and odds are you might have actually come across it before online. So speedrunning essentially is people try to play video games as fast as possible with no real limitations. So ASM is sort of an event where people who engage in this hobby come from all over Australia to down in Adelaide uh, to exhibit their skills. ASM, or the Australian Speedrun Marathon, is similar to events like Games Done Quick based out of the US. ASM has raised money for charity. Uh, since 2016, it's raised over $9,000 actually, um, and they're raising even more for Beyond Blue this year. Speedrunning itself isn't new or specific to ASM, but what is specific to ASM is what the event itself asks of the runners at ASM. At ASM, it feels a lot more professional, feels like I can, like, I guess it feels like I'm contributing to something a lot bigger, so I want to be a lot more professional and sort of really think about what I'm doing more. When you're doing the run, you also have to provide good commentary because you're providing content to an audience that isn't aware of what speedrunning is. Mm. And also, I have to make sure I keep a filter on instead of uh, being my normal self on my own stream. So on here, it's much more professional. I think you have to think about, first of all, being able to complete the run. Um, and balancing that with what amazing things you can show off. Some things that might be a bit slower but look a bit fancier, you might put that into the run because that's what's going to entertain people. That's what's going to really draw attention. Um, but also you want those more dangerous things that might be quicker. You might want to tone back on those even though you might have a slower run. Um, you're making sure that your run can actually be the run. ASM started as just a panel actually out of Avcon, but over time it spun out to be its own event being held here at the Uni of South Australia at the McGill campus. It's grown every single year since uh, 2014, 2015, and with the growth of ASM, the growth for the need for those volunteers, the production volunteers that make it all happen, that grows as well. We're all here coming from a variety of different places um, and different sorts of productions, but um, the, the, the skills are obviously, tra obviously transferable to, to this live stream um, event, and that has its own little quirks and, and fun as well. De so Definitely quirks. Definitely oh, yeah. a challenge. The biggest hardships with, with doing a live stream such as this, like there's a lot of moving parts. We have so many different game consoles and inputs and different things that we need to make sure all work properly um, without any delay, uh, especially for the runners themselves because they need to be very, very specific to do their, their tricks and things like that. Some of them have only got like single frame windows to do things. We, the, main, the main part of this event is to, to help the runners get the times that they want. There are a lot of people with different perspectives, of course. Um, the people working at UniSA are worried about tech and so on and so on. So there's different perspectives, I think. But from my perspective as a coordinator, I would say it's about continuing a continuous goal, so to speak, of pushing that community aspect. So we've been really trying to reach out to as many people as possible, get as hold of as many subcultures, so to speak, as part of the speedrunning community, because every single game has its own community. So we're trying to reach as many people as possible and get them involved, because there are still a lot of Australians who are just like, wait a second, what's ASM? So I wouldn't really say that I was that involved with the speedrunning community before I actually came to ASM. This is the third time I've come to an ASM event. I've done a little bit of speedrunning before, but you know, three years coming to ASM, it's easy to see how this acts as sort of a catalyst for the Australian speedrunning community and even just the speedrunning community in general. For me, it makes me feel really proud. It like makes me feel like I've accomplished something that other people want to be a part of and something that I want to be a part of with those other people. Like you think about the gaming, com the game specific communities, I think, you know, me and these other people are working towards this one goal in this one thing 
But then I guess it's sort of different when I think of the Australian community because it's sort of like a family almost. Like I come here um, with Cameron and all these other guys and I'm just like, you know, just always feeling the love. Yeah, everyone here is just fantastic to be around. So I recommend everyone, if they ha even think about coming to, just jump on board with it. At the moment where we are, we're still growing and I want to see us keep growing. But right now you can really see the Australian like personality. We have fun with it. Um, you know, we mess around a bit, but we're still like, working towards that professional uh, level and we're still like just trying to put on a good show so I think ASM really represents that well that was our report my report our report on the Australian speedrun marathon yeah it was <laughs> what a fun throwback it's okay I promise I'll come up with something hopefully a tiny bit better than that next week I love how you just yeah it was yourself <laughs> like, that was that thing <laughs> yeah it was Jack thanks for reporting thanks, out in the field Jack no problem Jack back to you in the studio welcome to the Jack and Janin show oh no please god no um, that actually brings us to the end of the show for this week thank you so much for hanging out with us we'll be back next week with some content it won't be a traditional episode with news and reviews. I mean, we might have some reviews. I'm not totally sure yet, but we'll come up with something. Uh, we will see you next week. Thanks see so much next for listening. Time. Heck yeah. Bye. 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 You got to stop at some time, guys. No. It, it.